Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey guys, I'm your host, Unique. You can follow me on Instagram at UniSmiles, U-N-E-E Smiles. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Dear Black Girl Pod. Now, before we get into today's episode, I want to remind you guys that you can always check out the playlist for each episode. Head over to Apple Music if you have it and type in UniSmiles. And the playlist is entitled Letters to Black Girls. And it changes every two weeks. So that way you can get an idea of what the episode may entail. And as always, don't forget to rate us and leave a review in the iTunes store. We greatly appreciate them. Without further ado, here's today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dear Black Girl. And today our guest is... Dee Marshall, who is an author, an international spokeswoman. She also founded and runs a, a nonprofit, and she does a million and one other things. Hi there, gorgeous. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for being on the show. Um, so let's try to tackle everything it is that you do. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Other than what I named. Okay. So, yeah, right. So... How how I eat, I, I like to tell people, you know, because, you know, people do a lot of things, but like when it all comes down to it, what do you really, really do? So my nine to five, if there was such a thing, mm-hmm. is I am the CEO of a company called Diverse and Engaged, and we do leadership development, diversity consulting, and executive coaching. So, um, So that's really what I do, what people may or how many people may know me is from my online brand and my personal brand, which is dcmarshall.com. So yes, over there at dcmarshall.com, I authored a couple books. I happen to be a certified trainer, certified and credentialed, I'm sorry, certified and credentialed coach. I need a trainer. That's probably why I said that. (laughs) And I was talking to my trainer on the way here. His name is Tommy and we're arranging for our new year, um, we're arranging for a class, like a fitness dance class, mm-hmm. because secretly, this is a sidebar, secretly, if I wasn't doing what I was doing in my head, I think I would want to be a dancer. I like want to be a voice. Like an Al- Alvin Ailey dancer? No, like no? straight ratchet. Okay. <laughs> yes, not like that classical, <laughs> but like, you know, um, or I would be a voiceover like a kid's voice or a dog's voice in an animated film mm-hmm. or secretly if I wasn't doing what I'm doing I would want to, I'm, I'm really like a superhero a big on, on the big screen like I like superhero and I'm packing heat <laughs> and I'm doing something really that my body doesn't really do now but yeah so secretly that's what I do but let's come back so uh, author certified coach um speaker this year, I did 25 speaking engagements. Last year, 35. Ooh. So I traveled quite a bit. And, you know, my my work and, and my obsession in life is really to empower women. And uh, that's all of the yummy work that I get to do. So so that's the dcmarshall.com brand, Diverse and Engage. And I founded an organization called Girlfriends Pray, uh, girlfriendspray.org. It's a prayer ministry for women. So when did you realize your calling was to help empower women? You know what? I think 
Certainly, there was a defining moment. However, precursor to the defining moment, um, there were snapshots and commercials in my head mm-hmm. about like things that I that I I believe that I would one day do. And my earliest remembrance was when I was volunteering for an organization that was for young girls, and I'm like, oh, I like this. This little young girl. So it's like mentoring. And I, and I think that was the beginning of un, the unfolding of, of what I would eventually do and, and consider my purpose. Okay. And I read in your bio that you started out in Wall Street, right? I did. So how did you go from Wall Street to now? Oh my gosh. Okay. So that was a defining moment. So that's how, that's a short answer. And what I mean by that is I was working on Wall Street on September 11th, fresh out of, uh, you know, I was just a youngin. I was the youngest person on Wall Street. I had seemingly made it because here I was the little brown girl from the hood, Mm -hmm. um, only brown person on the 33rd floor of one New York plaza. And I was training million dollar producers, bankers, investment bankers. And, um, and then September 11th happened. You all may or may not remember that two planes crashed into the world trade center. And here I was on the 33rd floor of one New York plaza. And so I was the second person to the elevator elevator slammed and never opened again so down 33 flights of stairs i went oh my god and i was running and i got home at about four i'm fast forwarding the story for that day so literally running from about 901 a.m to about 432 ish um, i got back to central jersey running all day literally and on september 12th i remember waking up and the questions that were before me were, if you died yesterday, would you have any regrets? And that question was the question that led me to purpose. Oh, wow. That's that's crazy. Like, I can only imagine. So what made you kick off your nonprofits? So that was, I would say, and I have been saying for many years now, it was not on a vision board. It was not my plan. I didn't like, oh, I'm going to run a nonprofit. It it really was. There was a need. Women, like girlfriends, were struggling trying to get through. I'm sure you have girlfriends, Mm -hmm. right? And they're going through stuff. So what do you do as a friend? Girl, you know, there's some friends who might talk bad about, you know, their friends. and, And no, but that's not what we do. Girl, I'll pray for you. I'll pray with you. And so what made me start it was seeing that some of my friends were going through and so I just said, hey, let's pray between now and the end of the year just to get you through. Because um, that's what I believe women should do. If I, you know, if you're doing well and I'm struggling, I believe those doing well should intercede, should stand in the gap for those who are struggling. And that's what that's what we did so many years ago. That's you. 33 women on a call, literally on like December, I think it was December 19th. Oh, so that means like your um, anniversary is coming Anniversary's up. Anniversary is coming up. Yep, 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 yep. In fact, 10-year anniversary coming up. We're going to do a big conference. We're going to like three cities, so it'll be fabulous. So you should follow everywhere online at Girlfriends Pray. Make sure you go into the website. And yeah, it's always a fabulous time. <laughs> 
So let's get into your songs. So let's start off with song number five. Okay. So of course, I think. Well, not of course, because you're you're global. So we're not going to make assumptions that everybody, uh, you know, could feel the the heart and the passion in Empire State of Mind by Jay Z, Alicia Keys. Um, I'm a New York Jersey girl, and I've always considered myself a New York Jersey girl. <laughs> Listen, boom, boom. How, however, I've never lived. In New York City, I've always lived in Jersey. I've always worked in New York. And so I claim New York, Jersey, because I'm straight up like that. Even, you know, people will meet me on the road and they'll say, where are you from? And I'll say, uh, I always say if I'm out of the region, New York, Jersey. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, okay. Because what happens is my voice doesn't sound like, like there's no accent. There's no you know, noticeable uh, anything about my voice. But when I say New York, Jersey, they're like, yeah, your energy, all, all, (laughs) all, all, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, it's just that I've always loved New York, always loved the city. In fact, all of my friends or a lot of my friends have relocated. I said I will be the last man standing in New York Metro. I just love culture. I just love, uh, I think it's the best city, you know, in these uh, yet to be United States. It's one of the best for so many things, culture, fashion, the economic center, which is Wall Street, you know, financial services. Um, and I'll always go back to culture, diversity. And just like if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Boom. Hey. Yeah. Yes, that's a true fact because New York's a hard city. Like, I'm not originally from here. I'm originally from Maryland, but oh. it's an expensive. What makes New York hard is how the price of living it's, doesn't match income. <laughs> I think that's what makes New York so hard for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. My first, actually, my first job in the city was on Wall Street. And I remember about this salary not matching or my short story is the $8, $10 boil of soup. I went to work for a financial services firm and they would all talk about the soup. Mm-hmm. And the soup was like $8, $10. I'm like, I'm never buying that soup. Like, that's just, because that's just, that don't make no kind of sense. And so I said, I will not. Uh-huh. Who got cracked out and turned out by the soup? But like D. Marshall, <laughs> here I am. Feening downstairs with Mr. Soup, $10 bowl of soup. So you're right. It, it just doesn't. Because it's like that now. Like, when you said $8 or $10, I was like, oh, that's cheap and affordable compared to like what it might be now yep now it's just like oh you want lunch that's a whole good twenty dollars out your pocket definitely for like one item definitely and i don't know so you you've never like considered living anywhere else oh definitely now now i have (laughs) but 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 what what has really i would say part of the woman that i have become in large part uh, New York contributed. And I'll say this in all seriousness, it's being a little brown girl making it to Wall Street in a white male dominated industry and having um, to show up and to, to prove and reproof is not a word, but prove and reproof. Like you have to, when you're a woman and you're a black woman and you're a white male dominated industry, you have to prove to the people and then you have to prove again. Mm-hmm. And so um, a lot of who I am has been largely, um, you know, attributed to 
the bar and the standard has always been high in super corporate, conservative environment. Um, the reason you hear my voice uh, and the variation of inflections is not because I am a journalist, but it is because I am a little brown girl and I went to work in a white male dominated industry. And when I walked into the room, you had to be able to be heard and not just about your voice, but it, you really had to have something um, you know, of high value to contribute to the conversation. So the reason Empire State of Mind just so makes sense for me because a lot of who I am, you know, there's a there's a bit of toughness mm-hmm. um, in me. There's a bit of, you know, I'm a lover girl. I love on people. I love Jesus. My heart is sweet and pure. Um, I am somewhat sensitive, but don't try me. Okay. Okay. Yes, I said, okay. That's not a word. <laughs> and and I'm cool and comfortable being me 100% wherever I am. So a lot of who I have become has largely been part of the nature nurture for all the psychology majors who understand, you know, mm-hmm. nature nurture. It's been nature. It's been New York, you know, that has really helped me. Negotiating, running a business, who gives me the audacity to then go back to Wall Street and like, yeah, and yes, I, this I own this company, and yes, that is a million dollar proposal that I'm going to slip across the table with my credentials, and yes, you are going to pay me for that service. Part of that comes from being a New York Jersey girl. Does that make That's sense? Amazing. Because I was going to ask you. Okay, so when you were starting out and you went to Wall Street for like the first time, fresh out of school and everything, what was that like? So it was it was scary. Um, it was intimidating. I think that was the word because just you know, I was not an Ivy League grad. Like I'm, I'm in there again. It's a white male dominated industry, and I'm a little brown girl, so I'm so far. Uh, you know, there's the the miles and the distance between us. So I think it was intimidating, mm-hmm. but it was also very refreshing. It was very eye opening because there was a lot of learning. Um, to do. And and I think I, I made out in, I soaked up everything like a sponge, like learning very early on in my career about work ethic, which is really soft skills, which is really leadership skills. Um, I learned very early on about relationship development and some stuff that are just like soft skills that have largely contributed to my career and my life over the long haul. So long haul. So I just remember the experience being like intimidating, um, definitely refreshing, stretching, um, and and a lot of times awkward and uncomfortable because again, I was the only one in the room. I'm the only one that looks like me. So I mean like only in so many instances early on in my career. So did you have moments where you felt like even though you were there, you weren't like being seen or heard? I definitely thought that because I wasn't confident that I was. So I was definitely insecure and um, and and actually somewhat, I would say, shy, insecure, shy, never an introvert. I have always been an extrovert, Mm -hmm. but I would also say shy and insecure. So if you mix up those three, I don't know that I would have had the thought that I'm not being seen because I wasn't this person back then, 
right? Early on. And so for everybody who's listening to your podcast and like, okay, I mean, because y'all are some bosses. Y'all come out the wound like, listen, listen, Linda, here's what's going to happen. Okay. You know, you're really, you're cute and you're educated. And like, even for you to have birthed this podcast in all that you do, y'all show up on the scene confident and like, you're going to see me and you're going to hear me. I wasn't that person. I, I matured into this. I was in slow ca- class, people. Okay. <laughs> I was in the slow class. No, no. Song number four, Level Up Sierra. You know, I like this song. And part of why I like the song, because early on in my career on Wall Street, before I became an entrepreneur and before like social was way turned up like it is now, um, I started, uh, uh, there was a term raise the bar in corporate way back then before it was like common now. And it was always um, clear to me that I always had to be stretching and that the bar, um, the bar needed to always be outside of my reach, but it would serve as the standard, as the benchmark and, and that I would always forever be reaching higher. So metaphorically, like raise the bar and level up or level up is just a continuation of, of, of these three words, raise the bar that had been so impressionable on me from my days in corporate America. In fact, it was a white woman who would always say, you know, we have to raise the bar in blah, 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 blah. And it was so, those three words were so impactful for me. I named my company Raise the Bar. So Level Up is is basically, um, it's a continuation of that. It means that you would forever and always be evolving and growing and becoming the person that God called you to be. So do you ever have fears of being content? Um, do I ever have fears of being content? You know, I don't think I have any fears around being content. I don't. I don't. There's always, yeah, I just don't. That's not, that's not something that concerns me nor, you know, worries me. Not at all. (laughs) Because I do know, like, I remember when I was in college, um, a lot of my friends, they just had this fear of being content in life. Like, they felt like if they were content, then that means that they would not, you know, continue to, like, want more and strive for more. So they just had, like, this, I don't know, psychological... I could see that. ...misunderstanding of what content was. (laughs) I could see. However, listen, I've never had a fear of being content, but I will tell you this. I have had an awareness about how I could have become a content person. So I was born in Maryland, the Eastern shore of Maryland. It is way country. Okay. Way, (laughs) way country, Eastern shore. Um, You know, the the amazing thing about the Eastern shore, uh, Cambridge, Maryland is Harriet Tubman, um, Araminta Ross, which which was a real name, uh, was born in Cambridge, Maryland. But it's like a population, or like maybe I want to say population of maybe twelve thousand. It's like forty eight percent African American. The ha- average household income is thirty five thousand a year. Like the biggest thing in Cambridge is Walmart. Like that sounds like where my family's from in New Bern, North Carolina. Right. Okay. So here's the aha about content. When I go back to visit my grandmother, I'm like, wow, if my mother did not break out of Cambridge, 
there, I would have been content. So here is the, you know, the distance and the chasm between New York City and Empire State of Mind and 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 the Eastern Shore. If I had stayed there, I would I would totally be content. Like I would have no idea or concept of going after purpose, passion, black girl magic, like run your own business, call the shots, boss. I would just have no concept of that. And I could see, I literally could see it, that the highlight of my life would be flip-flops and leggings and running to the 24-hour Walmart. Yeah. And it, yeah, so, so, but, but actually that goes back to nature nurture that's nature how your environment contributes mm-hmm. that's actually the crux of of this our our talk if you realize it it's empire state of mind new york new jersey girl versus eastern shore if i stayed there it would it it would not i feel like cuz that's like the kind of the same thing cuz i um cuz i was born in newburn north carolina and my mom just left and we moved to dc but then like Whenever we go back to visit, I'm I'm always bored because there's nothing to do and it's always the same thing. And I always think to myself, like, yo, if I would have grown up here, I would probably just still be here. You would. Within, or within the surrounding areas. I wouldn't even be doing or have experienced a lot of stuff I've experienced. You would not have a podcast. At all. At I would have thought of a podcast. In fact, and even if you thought of it, you probably, is it fair to say you probably wouldn't have the audacity to, like, put it together Make it happen. Radio City. I mean, like, we're... I mean, do people know where you record your podcast? Like, you're in the thick of things. You're in Gotham. Like, I mean, doors are open to you. We don't have to reveal all of your behind the scenes. But, like, you... This... You would not... At Newburgh, you would not be here. Let's <laughs> no, just say it. And nor would I be here. We would both be hanging out at the Walmart. <laughs> at the Dairy hours. Queen. 24 hey, hey, hours. Just chilling. Like, chilling. What are you doing tonight? Going to the Walmart. And I... They really hang out at the Walmart, but I don't know what you do. I think I did it one time, and I was like, so this is it? And I'd be 300 pounds. Uh, Because the only thing to do is, like, eat and then, like, Walmart. And then have kids. And have kids. Yeah. And and we would not... We wouldn't have a concept of of anything outside of that, though. Not at all. And then the jobs wouldn't be great either. No. I'd be a cashier. Uh, No, I'd, I'd be... I'd be... You know what? let's get out of that because that's not that's taking us whole like we, why are we even doing it to ourselves because that that could that's like an alternate reality of what our life could have been like had our parents not decided to make a change within their life there you go and that just i guess that just shows how like one small change can affect the rest of the generations after you absolutely absolutely good save <laughs> Song number three is um, Blessed, Big Sean. You know what? So I'm a Jesus girl. And I, for a, a, um, most of my adult life, I have just lived in a perpetual state of, I'll say perpetual cycles or perpetu- perpetual seasons of winds. Just feeling blessed. Mm-hmm. Feeling covered. And so I think that's what I think about. Um, when I think of the song, it's just, if I didn't, if I didn't know God, Lord, I don't know where I would be. And it just means that, you know, not that I live life without challenges or, but they, but, but even when I lose, I win. Mm -hmm. 
And so blessed is just the covering and the story and the duration of my life has been blessed. I cannot remember a season in my adult years where I did not have the feeling of blessed. Blessed, and let me just go a little deeper, like blessed in terms of opportunities, blessed in terms of access, blessed in terms of, you know, discovering my passion, finding my purpose, blessed in terms of, you know, even the way that we're here right now, like this, I mean, you know, just that somebody thought of me and they're like, hey, D, you know, and they hooked us up. I wasn't really like asking, but you know what? In fact, that's a good example of what I mean by blessed, like that, meaning how you and I connected, Mm -hmm. right? Our guy, Vince, hooked it up. But how that happened is basically how my life has unfolded, where my name is associated with greatness in that 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 has nothing to do with me. I'm just saying, like, God literally connects me to great people all day, every day over the course of my life. I don't have I don't have a story of messy negative. I I just don't have that. Even if haters exist, I don't know. I can't see them. Okay. (laughs) So that's an example of what I mean by blessed. And then another level of blessed is not just an external access opportunities, people, places, things, but it's just in my spirit. I wake up on a 10 every morning. Mm -hmm. And so that's another feeling of blessed. That's called joy, not happy. Happy is based on external things. People tend to um, attach happy to job is good, I'm happy. Man is here, I'm happy. Bank account is stacked, I'm happy. Or experiences or, you know, hair, makeup, wardrobe, I'm happy. That's external. Happiness is based on external things. And when those things are, uh, you know, removed from the equation, Exactly. Then where does that leave you? Depressed. Ble- exactly. So blessed is it, it for me. That means a level of joy, and joy is not attached to an external thing. It's an internal thing. So I wake up every day, and I literally vibrate at a level ten. I vibrate high. Always very grateful. Which I don't want to get ahead of our song because that's one. <laughs> um, but so so that's what I mean by blessed, like a blessed life. Does that make sense? Yes. Gotta do it. Listen, I ain't the preacher, but I'm trying to tell y'all. I'm trying to tell you. When you're young, when you're young 20 and you're trying to figure out your life, or let's just say even when you're a teenager, remember in high school, God, dude broke up with you and you thought it was the end of the world? Yeah. Or like even in your young 20s. You and still then still like, think it's the end of the world. You still think it's the end of the world. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> young 20s, your friend situation is like real shady and you think it's like, oh my God, this is horrible, the end of the world. Or if you go through seasons of just not knowing why you're here or not wanting to wake up, not wanting to kill yourself, just not wanting to wake up or, you know, if your money is not right or if you're just your living situation, girl, I'm just here to say one thing works for everything. And his name is Jesus. God, you get God in your life and you need to know him before you need you need to know him before you need him. Mm-hmm. And that has been the overwhelming covering that comes uh, that where the blessing flows in my life. Bam, there you go. That's different because usually a lot of people, no one ever really just says, I, I have a lot of joy. A lot of people just say, I, I'm happy and I have happiness to send other. So that's the first time I ever heard someone say, I have joy, which is amazing. It's next level. Yeah. And if I had to go deeper, um, I will tell you it's. Um, it's a manifestation of relationship with God 
And so that's how you get it. So if your listeners are listening and trying to figure out how to find happy at the next level, because it, it really is happy, then you evolve to joy where you can't even put your finger on it. And it has nothing to do with anything external, but I feel good in my spirit. And it's a good place to be. It's a good place to evolve to as a woman so that nothing will be able to steal your your joy when you evolve to the next level. And so when you have a relationship with God, that's what happens as a result. Uh, again, I'm not the preacher, but I'm just going to say this. There's a word, <laughs> in the word, in the Lord, a word of the Lord that says, um, that speaks about the fruit of the Spirit and what God allows. Um, and what God allows as a result of relationship with Him is uh, love, patience, kindness, uh, joy, self-control. Do you see? So the joy, the joy juice, boom, just comes from God. So when you wake up, so listen, even when the people tell you no, when the people tell you not today, when people tell you decline, like (laughs) all of the negative external stuff, your override is always, it's going to be God. Okay, let's come up out of this. Let's go to the real ratchet music so I can come out of, (laughs) so people say, Nick had the preacher on the the, the podcast? I'm I'm not clear because we went to Empire way up and I'm blessed. Okay, go ahead. Song number two is all right, Kendrick Lavar. Yeah, you know, there's a line. I think it's the line, as long as we have God, we're going to be all right. And the reason that song speaks to me, it's because, again, it's not that I don't have things that show up in my life to challenge me, but I'm never shook by anything that shows up because I have something else to rely on. And so in his song, he says, as long as we have God, like that's the the hook or the precursor to the hook that we're we going to be all right. Yes. Is as long as we have God, we're going to be all right. So whatever blow that happens in my life, and I've had them, gut punches, relationships, health. Listen, my mother is waiting for an O positive kidney right now. She's been on a kidney donor list for five years, I'm believing God for some kind soul uh, to donate. We've been praying already. But so so that's just an example of, right, when there's a gut punch or a blow and... Um, it's out of your control. Exactly. Exactly. And you don't have to lose sleep about it. You don't know. Um, yeah, you can always just have hope. So that's why that song really speaks to me. Because it's a precursor, you know, it's the hope song or the song of hope just in case and when all hell breaks loose. There you go. So when did you get to that point? I know that's a point you have to work up to where like even if a crazy blow comes out of nowhere, you're just like, you don't stress about it. You're just like, okay, that's fine. I can handle this. When did it happen? Yeah. When did you get to that point? You know what? When I noticed that about myself, I think it was... You know, part of it was September 11th Mm -hmm. um, coming through that. And so to make this very real for other people who say, well, yeah, but I I haven't really had that kind of experience. You have. You've had a defining moment where something hit you or something happened in the family. Like maybe it might have been death. It might have been a car accident. It might have been an illness. But when there is a gut punch that becomes a defining moment and a defining moment just meaning 
you're at a crossroad where you have to make a definitive decision about what you are going to do now that you're at the crossroad. But before a defining moment, you don't realize or see yourself at a crossroad. So you don't have to make a definitive decision about which way to go. You just keep going. Mm -hmm. You just keep going and following the natural progression of things. So um, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that was part of it. And also, I'll give you this. I lost a brother at a young age. So he was 21. I was 23. He was killed in a car accident on January 1st. So not New Year's Eve, but January 1st. So we get the call. So when, you know, wake up first thing in the morning and my mother is screaming because my brother was killed in a car accident. So I think because of those early on, you know, hits, I think that's what what helped me to realize, you know what, D, you're you're not good at a lot of things, but you're really good at um standing. And you're you're a survivor. Like you're real good at just breathing and you have high tolerance. In fact, even now, like I'm I'm like the matriarch of my family in um although my grandmother is still living she and i are like the matriarch in that if something goes down you call grandmother and call d marshall because i will be the one to help process manage through that does that make is yes. uh, did i answer your question yes you did and so i don't know how i became that person i i really don't i i i, I will tell you there was at one point i predicted but if i lose my auntie I'm gonna lose it. I, I'm not gonna be able to do that. You know, I, I had that with my um, great grandma. I was like, when I lose my great grandma, I don't know how to function, but I, I'm fine. You see? Yeah. That's what happened to my auntie. I'm like, I just said, if something happens to her, nope. I'm I'm not gonna. I I almost like declare, like projected, like no, I'm gonna lose my mind. And it ha- and I lost my auntie. She was so sweet. And you know what? And I I'm. I survived it and I didn't like really fall apart. I was very hurt. I was very sad, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, it didn't take me out. So I don't know. I don't know how I became, became this person um, that could stand through that and be really calm. Now I'm much more intentional about it. Like Mm -hmm. when my mother told me she needed a kidney, I didn't cry. I didn't cry. I just breathed through it. Like, okay, she's not the first person and she won't be the last. Um, we live in, uh, you know, the, the, we have modern medicine, modern technology. She will get a kidney and all will be well. There you go. That is calming. I don't know if I would have been that calm. <laughs> yeah. I would have freaked out a little bit like, okay. But like my mom has a calm spirit because she'll always be like, remember she always told me like, whenever it's your time to go, it's your time to go. You're not going to go before that. You're not gonna go. Yeah, you won't. You will never go before your times to go. And if it's your time, it's your time. No, no one over God. I was like, okay, mom, cool. <laughs> but as comfortable as you try to make it sound, it doesn't sound that comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Song number one, we have. Thank you. Oh yes, is it Miranda Curtis? Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay, it's 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 a thank you melody, um, and there is the end of the song. Well, first of all, I'm just a grateful person. So how about that's why that's part of my soundtrack. I really am. Like, I don't, I just wake up grateful first. 
And so I think how I've been super blessed, like the how-to, is because I'm always grateful and I find things to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. And sidebar, there are 22 human emotions. Um, seven of those human emotions are positive and the rest are negative. Wait, what? There are 22 human emotions. But why are only seven positive? Seven are positive. Joy, gratitude, appreciation. The rest overwhelm depression, discouragement, anger, jealousy, those are all negative, right? Uh-huh. How you manifest in life, um, or let me just say this, when you are in a positive emotion, you are at high frequency to manifest what it is that you desire in life. When you are in a negative frequency, you are rejecting everything that it is that you desire in life. So when you are feeling tired, exhausted, overwhelmed, jealous, angry, bitter, uh, revengeful, right? I'll send this to you. Don't worry. I'll send it to you. Um, You are at a low frequency. And so just knowing that, it, it it helps me to be much more intentional, but I am I am super grateful. And I think that's how I manifest. Sidebar, manifesting, is ju- it just means, for the one listener who may not know, it's the thing that you did not effort. So you have no effort attached to something that just came into your life. But how you will do that is when you really stay high and on a positive frequency. The highest possible frequency or the highest possible emotion is grateful, is gratitude. So never ever effort or do anything when you're in a negative emotion, when you're sad, when you're overwhelmed. I don't even know where I was going with this story. <laughs> what was the question? I don't remember. Okay, so it was, um, let me see. Oh, Lord. Oh, uh, um, let me see. Oh, thank you. The thank, thank you. So yeah. that's why I'm always, I'm very, I'm a very grateful person. But at the end of this song, you know, the woman tells her testimony about she had a health crises but at the very end the lyrics are it could have it could have been another way it could have been another way it could have been another way and it makes me really emotional because I am the product of a single mother who had two children by the time she graduated high school And my father spent most of my childhood in prison for allegedly shooting a police officer. They were teenage parents, right? And we come from modest beginnings. And, um, but I was always protected and always felt safe. I never knew we were poor. But when I think back to what my life could have been, I think about it could have went another way. My mom could have entertained men. Men who, you know, we know the stories of what happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. My mother could have entertained drugs. She didn't, but we know what would have happened there. My, My family, my father's family, you know, there was drug use on that side. There was prison and it's all the dysfunctions in, you know, that we're all familiar with. And so I get so emotional because I allow myself to go to a place that it could have been another way. I'm super, super blessed. I live a yummy life, but it could have been another way. If my mother, you know, entertained or if if my mother exposed me to things and it's just like I could just run down the list of sex, drugs and rock and roll. 
you know, I dated a guy. I had no idea until I got out of high school because I was so naive. He turned out to be a drug addict and I had no idea. And so it could have been another way. Like, let's just, if he introduced me, I had friends, one in particular, her and her boyfriend in high school, they had a really bad drug habit. I didn't know back then because I was very naive. And so it could have been another way if she would have offered, right? If my boyfriend would have offered. And so I go through, I allow myself to process and I really get into a space of gratitude. God, it could have went another way. And I recognize it, but it could have been another way. And the reason I say that is because I have a high predisposition for addiction. I only know that because I wasn't all that smart in school, but God caught me up on the back end. So I'm so dang on brilliant that I've studied it in psychology. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, well, you eat all those worthers, that stride, that caffeine. Jesus, if it was another drug. And so does this make sense? Yes. So that song is so powerful. And I think it's a powerful space to think of what could have been the other way. And the only reason it's helpful to go there because it allows you to be grateful and to see how blessed you are. So what do you hope your legacy will be? Oh, wow. I hope my legacy will be that I could leave a carbon footprint, make a noticeable difference that I was here that my grandchildren's grandchildren would talk about me when I'm gone and say, she was a bad mama jamma. <laughs> and I've always said that, you know, my intention and my legacy is really to, to live full, to die empty, so much so that when I stand before God at the end of my life without a single bit of talent left, I could say, God, I used everything that you gave me. So before we go, you have to give us your Dear Black Girl open letter. Oh my gosh. Dear Black Girl, you are here on purpose for a purpose. You are here by design. You are not a mistake. The universe right now is rearranging itself on your behalf. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good work that he prepared in advance for you to do. He has a plan for your life. And it is a good plan. You can be, do, go anywhere that you desire. You could be, do, go, and have anything that you desire. Life is 10% what happens and 90% how you respond. You are beautiful. You are brilliant. You are talented. You are gorgeous and you are fabulous. You are amazing. You are culture. You are a leader. You are seed sower. You are champion. You are trailblazer. You are history maker. You are our all and everything. And the universe depends on you to show up and to stand up and to be who you have been called to be. You're gorgeous. You're beautiful. You are high content and you are high value. You are necessary and you are the truth. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that you cannot do. I love you. Signed, D.C. Marshall. <laughs>